Good to see all of you here. Um, as uh, Pastor Pam said earlier, uh, we were starting a new series today called Dusk that will take us through this time of Lent. And um, so I would like to uh, begin this morning with our, our gospel reading. This is from, from Mark in the very first chapter. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. At once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals and angels attended to him. And after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. I heard someone say once that if Steven Spielberg were going to make a movie of one of the gospels, he would choose Mark because Mark is the action gospel. Mark's favorite word is immediately. Uh, and, and you have to really pay attention in the Gospel of Mark because one minute Jesus is way steep in the Jordan River getting baptized by John. You blink and now he's in the wilderness uh, surrounded by animals being tempted by Satan. And you blink again and he's back in Galilee preaching the good news that the kingdom of God has come. Um, so, uh, you know, it just moves from one thing to another rapidly, just throughout the Gospel of Mark. So I, I think the Gospel of Mark actually should come with seatbelts. <laughs> now, most of you are familiar with the story of Jesus being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. In the lectionary, this is always the scripture reading for the first Sunday of Lent, the story of the temptation. So I was kind of thinking ahead of time and, you know, thinking about the temptation and, you know, that story of Satan tempting Jesus and what would be important. And then I remembered that um, this year, the scripture reading is from the gospel of Mark. Nearly everything I remembered about the temptation story is from Matthew and Luke. Mark says, Jesus was tempted. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Uh, not a lot of sermon material there. Uh, he, he doesn't give us much to work with. If, if we only had the gospel of Mark, we would not know about the three specific temptations that Satan uh, tried to tempt Jesus with. We wouldn't know how Jesus, you know, encountered them. We wouldn't know how they both used scripture. We wouldn't know that Jesus had fasted uh, for 40 days. Mark doesn't weigh us down with a lot of details. He went into the wilderness for 40 days. He was tempted by Satan, surrounded by uh, wild animals, attended to by angels. What else you need to know? But Mark doesn't leave us disappointed because in the details that he does provide, he says some things that really gives us a lot to think about. For instance, in both Matthew and Luke, Jesus is led by the Spirit out into the wilderness after the baptism. But in Mark's gospel, the Holy Spirit tears apart the heaven 
and comes down in the form of a dove. And then it says, he sent Jesus. The NIV that I'm using says he sent Jesus out into the wilderness. But the word that in, in this version is translated sent is the same word uh, that means cast out or throw out. It's the same word that's used when Jesus cast demons out of people. So the Holy Spirit threw him out into the wilderness. Sometimes the Holy Spirit nudges. And sometimes he grabs us by the scruff of the neck, apparently. And so, so Mark tells us Jesus was sent to the wilderness. Immediately, of course. <laughs> Jesus was in the wilderness while his hair was still wet from his baptism. And when we think of wilderness, you know, we normally think of this big forested area, but that's wilderness meant desert. It was a barren place. Um, and when we think of the wilderness, I mean, we think of how the nation of Israel, when they were freed from slavery, they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. And God led them, uh, you know, during that whole time, it was a time of temptation, it was a time of testing, because the wilderness, wilderness is a harsh and it's an unforgiving landscape. Now, for most of us, when we talk about being in the wilderness, it's, it's more a metaphor for those times in our lives when things just seem dry and frustrating um, and, and we're going through difficult times. And if we understand it that way, all of us know times when we've been thrown out into the wilderness. Some of you may feel like you're there this morning. And Jesus' time in the wilderness lasted 40 days. Again, echoing the 40 years that the nation of Israel spent wandering through the desert. And Jesus' 40 days in the desert is where we got the idea of 40 days for Lent. Because Jesus' 40 days in the, in the wilderness prepared him for his ministry to follow. And 40 day, our 40 days of Lent is a time that we prepare to be a faithful follower of Jesus for the rest of our lives. As a matter of fact, in Celtic um, Christianity, Advent is 40 days. Uh, it's also a 40-day period of preparation for the incarnation or for when Jesus was born. So, so 40 days uh, for Jesus and for us is a time of preparation so that we can follow him faithfully and getting our lives right with God. For four centuries, Christians were persecuted everywhere they went. They had their possessions taken away. They were murdered. And yet in the midst of all this persecution, they were the ones who continued to take care of the displaced. They welcomed the stranger. They fed the hungry. They cared for others. They even loved their enemies. And then Constantine made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. It was one of the worst things that ever happened to Christianity. And so today, when you hear people talking about Christian nationalism, it is an absolute tragedy that we need to avoid with every fiber of our being. There needs to be separation between faith and, and those who got in the government. It needs to be there. Shane Claiborne said it best. You can mix 
horse manure and ice cream. It won't hurt the horse manure, but it ruins the ice cream every single time. And once it became the, the religion of the empire, then Christians became part of the in-group, and now they were accepted. Now they were comfortable. Pretty soon, you couldn't tell any difference between them and everybody else. Before long, it was hard to tell the difference. And that is when the tradition of Lent started. It was a renewal movement to try to, to, to remind us of what it means to follow Jesus instead of just being like everybody else in the culture. The purpose is to make us remember that Jesus was not comfortable. Jesus was not a part of the in-group. Jesus sacrificed. Jesus colored outside the lines. And maybe if during these 40 days we seriously focus on who Jesus is and what he did, then it just might inspire us to become more like him. Even giving up the simple things we give up as a sacrifice during Lent reminds us that Jesus sacrificed for us. Lent is an attempt to make us Christians again. So he was surrounded by wild animals, Mark says. And when you think of all the details Mark left out, why did he include that one? But once again, when you, when you picture in your mind Jesus surrounded by wild animals, for, it, it, it makes you kind of recall Adam. Adam was surrounded by animals. And Jesus is referred to in the scriptures as the second Adam. I mean, the first Adam is the symbol for our separation from God. And here's Jesus, the new Adam, who is the one who makes it possible for us to be reconciled with God. And then others recall this passage from Isaiah when they see Jesus surrounded by animals. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put his hand to the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters that cover the sea. And so some see in this picture of Jesus sitting there surrounded by all these animals, the day when the kingdom of God will have fully come and there will actually be peace everywhere among everything. They'll even be in the peace in the place where Jesus is actually sitting. And then for others, it was the opposite. The wild uh, animals, instead of representing peace, they represent danger because the wilderness can be a dangerous place full of wild animals who are out to get you, as you already know. He was tempted by Satan. There's the unforgiving circumstances of the wilderness. There's loneliness. There he is all by himself tired, lonely, facing difficult situations, 
That's always fertile ground to hear the voice of the accuser. Barbara Brown Taylor summed up the temptations like this. All along, the devil subtly, subtly suggested that Jesus deserved better than God was giving him. We've all heard that voice, haven't we? But if God allowed Satan to find his way into the wilderness with Jesus, God also opened the door for angels. Jesus was not abandoned to the wilderness, to loneliness, or to Satan. But angels came and and helped him, tended to him. Now, I believe Jesus was attended to by uh, celestial beings who came, you know, to his aid. But the word angel means messenger because angels often carried messages from God to people. And and I find that very comforting. And and the reason is because I have never seen a a celestial being. If God has sent one my way, I didn't have the eyes to see it. But there have been times in my life when God has sent some flesh and blood messengers when I was in the wilderness When I was alone and tempted and hurting and somebody showed up to remind me that God loved me and to encourage me and to give me wisdom. And I know they were human beings, but they were angels to me. And I know you've experienced the same thing. You found yourself in the wilderness. You felt all alone. And you've heard the voice of the accuser. And you've experienced someone bringing you a message of encouragement from God. And they may have been human, but they were an angel to you. And maybe by the grace of God, you've had the privilege to be an angel for somebody else. And bring them the word of encouragement they need to hear. Well, the heart of the text is that Jesus was tempted. Jesus was tempted. And the writer of Hebrews really nails it for us, why that is important for you and I. Uh, Here in Hebrews chapter 4, he writes, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So that when we're dealing with temptation, we are praying to a God who understands. Jesus was tempted in every way, that you and I are ever tempted. And so we can't go to God and say, well, God, you just don't understand what this is like. (laughs) Because Jesus does understand what it's like. As a matter of fact, I don't know anyone other than Jesus who, like in the Garden of Eden, when he was wrestling with temptation, prayed and resisted so hard that his sweat became blood, literally. I don't know anyone who's resisted temptation to that extreme. Most of us cave in long before then. Sometimes when I I preach a sermon, uh, 
you know, I'm afraid it isn't going to make you, it isn't going to really relate to, to some people because you can talk about a certain problem or a certain temptation and some people really struggle with that, but then you got a whole lot of other people that, you know, that doesn't bother them at all. But when I, when I preach a sermon on temptation, on us being tempted, I know I'm covering all of y'all. I mean, that's all of us because we all struggle with that. And only the most self-unaware person is going to walk by me today and shake my hand and say, well, I wish my brother could have been here. He needed to hear that, you know, (laughs) because we all struggle with this. And Mark, um, maybe it's best that he didn't mention what those three temptations that Satan used against Jesus were, because now it just says temptations. And so we're, we're kind of prone to make the list ourselves. And if we do that, we'll think of the temptations that are, that are hardest for us. And then maybe it'll become more about, instead of Jesus was tempted, about what do we do when we're tempted? And how do we deal with temptation? Um, U.W. Mosser concluded that the reason Mark left out the three temptations is because the whole gospel of Mark is an explanation of how Jesus was tempted. Um, now, I don't usually like to jump around between texts, but there, there is a, a text in, in Mark, or in James, the book of James, that explains sin and temptation better than anything I've ever read. So this is in James chapter 1. But each person is tempted, and when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. This is the most practical explanation of temptation and sin that I've ever heard. Because like Jesus, I mean, we're tempted. We're all tempted. I mean, you know, even Jesus was tempted. So it's not a sin to be tempted. There's no shame in being tempted. Um, in speaking of temptation and sin, Martin Luther put it well. He said, it's, it, it, there's nothing wrong if a bird lands on your head. There is something wrong if you let it build a nest there. Um, that, that's kind of the difference. But Because at the point of temptation, we have a choice. And this is where we really can understand what it means to be free in Christ. Because when we are tempted, there is this moment in which there is a choice. And we are free to choose the right thing. We are free to do the right thing. We get to choose. But if we go through with the temptation and it moves from thought to action, then James says sin is born, it will grow up, and then the consequences will come our way. It's thought, action, consequences. It's always how it works. And we're much better off if we can confront temptation in the thought process and defeat it there. Because once it crests the hill of action, it picks up speed and becomes much more difficult. Mark Twain once made the point that it's easier to walk past a room than it is to get out of a room once you get in it. It's easier to deal with our temptations while they're just thoughts. 
desires that lead us to do things that we know in the long run harm either ourselves or, or someone else. And then Lent reminds us that unlike Jesus, we don't overcome temptation every time. Sometimes we fail. Sometimes we succumb. And sometimes we succumb to the same temptation again and again and again. So during Lent, we are reminded of our bent towards sinning, as Charles Wesley puts it. We're reminded of Jesus' great sacrifice for us. And ultimately, Lent reminds us that no matter how great a sinner we are, God is an even greater forgiver and lover. So when we are in our own wilderness, facing temptation, surrounded by wild animals, we can pray to a high priest who knows exactly what we're going through and who can give us strength and wisdom and guidance. And he may even send an angel or two to help us out. And every time we overcome temptation, we grow stronger in our faith and more confident in how we live. And when we fail, we know that we can still turn to a God who will always forgive us and who will always accept us. And this may be a little counterintuitive, but you've probably discovered this as well is knowing that God loves us so much that God will always accept us and always forgive us doesn't make it easier to sin. Instead, it melts our heart that God would love us so, so that God can take our heart and reshape it and make it new. So in every wilderness, every time you feel lonely, in every temptation, May you know God's presence and guidance and love for you. And may God send you angels when you need them. And may you be willing to be an angel for somebody else. And may our hearts be melted and reshaped during this season of Lent.